Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Welcome to church again today, folks. We're continuing today our series in the book of uh, First Chronicles. We're going to read a very short Bible reading today, one verse in Second Chronicles chapter 27, and it's verse 6. Why don't we read it all together for a change since it's such a short verse. It'll come up on the screen. Today we're going to look at the life of David in First Chronicles. Uh, but there's this one little verse which uh, is about this man Jotham in Second Chronicles chapter 27. And it summarises really what the whole book of Chronicles is about uh, and the life of David as well. So let's read this verse together. Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. I heard a bit of a mumble there. Let's do it again. Ready? One, two, three. Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, We are all on a journey as our brother and sister have just been singing and Lord, we just want to be indeed straining towards the goal of knowing Jesus in our life. Father, help us to Listen to your spirit as we reflect on your word today from Chronicles and speak to us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been uh, talking about the last few weeks uh, before Easter, that is, uh, the message of Chronicles, Chronicles was written about 150 years plus after the exile. They've come back from the exile after that time of complete devastation of their faith and of the temple and of all that they, they hoped for as the people of God, they come back with new inspiration, new passion, new fire, but 150 years have gone by and the passion is starting to run dry. The worship in the temple is pretty farcical. The temple itself is falling apart. And, the, and Chronicles is written to inspire the current generation 150 years or so later to look back at the glory days. And it's full of stories of people who in their day took charge, cleaned up the mess, got the ship back uh, on the right pathway. Like Jotham, he put his house in order. He ordered his ways before the Lord is God. Well, when we come to David, we've come to the first chronicles, first 10 chapters full of genealogies. Then we come to the story of David from chapter 11 through to 29 of 1 Chronicles, and we might think, at last, we've got past those genealogies with all those lists of impossible-to-pronounce names. At last, we get to the story of David. That's fantastic, because we all know David. David has got some drama happening, don't we? David is a ripper of a story. We've got David and Goliath. Wow. We've got David on the run from Saul, Saul hunting David down. That's good. We've got David and Bathsheba and the terrible story of of the murder of Uriah the Hittite. That's drama. And then we've got David and his son Absalom. And Absalom takes off against David and they have a civil war. It's full of drama. Great material for a movie. Just don't tell uh, Russell Crowe and his mates, else they'll botch another Bible story. But it's great drama, isn't it? 
So you might think, whew, we're part, over that part of Chronicles. Now we get into some juicy stuff with the life of David. Well, sorry, bad news. Because the fact of the matter is Dave, uh, the, the writer of Chronicles tells us none of these stories. He leaves every single one of those ones out. You think, man, what sort of boring guy was this guy? Couldn't he have done something with the life of David? He's left all the juicy bits out. And we get all those stories in the book of First and Second Samuel, but not in Chronicles. What do we get in Chronicles? Well, let me give you a quick flick through chapters 11 through to 29. Basically, the, ch the chapters are filled with a number of different things. First of all, you get some military victories. Stories, uh, not a lot of detail. David goes into battle, defeats the enemies, who, and, and, uh, who he defeated, how many uh, 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 people in the army that he defeated and so on. That's about it. So you get some military victories. Secondly, you get a lot of temple stories. David brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Uh, God makes a covenant with David in which he's going to have an eternal kingdom and he will build a house for God. David, has, David commits a sin and as a result of that sin, he buys a block of land which will eventually be where the temple is built. So the reason why the story is in there is for the temple. And lastly, you get some offerings for the temple. You get a prayer about the temple. So there's lots about David and the temple. And then we also get a lot of lists. Thought you were over the lists in the first nine chapters? Sorry, there's a heap more throughout First Chronicles. We get uh, the lists of David's mighty men, his warriors, and the numbers in his army in chapters 11 and 12. We get the lists of Levites in chapter 23, lists of priests, 24, lists of musicians, 25, lists of gatekeepers and other officials, 26, numbers in the army and leaders over the tribes. This is Chronicles. Lists. And we might say, how utterly boring. He's got so much drama to work with with the life of David, but is this all he can come up with? What is his problem? Well, most of us, I guess, might find it all a little bit laborious, but there are some people who love this kind of stuff. Accountants, for example. Accountants are people who just love lists of numbers. I can imagine accountants... There are one or two, maybe, accountants amongst us. Anyway, forgive me, brothers and sisters. There are accountants, I can imagine your idea of a, of a great long weekend. Most of us would take a novel away or a DVD away to watch. You guys would take away a laptop with Microsoft Excel and lots of numbers to play with with the different formulae. That would be your idea, maybe. Office administrators, they love this kind of stuff. Numbers and figures and names. And they require exact pricing and details for every last uh, bit of the plan three years in advance before any plan happens. School teachers, you love this kind of stuff. Lists of names, you know, school roles. All oh, these are people in my class, and I've got all my mark book with. with Dozens and dozens of marks perfectly kept up to date. You love this stuff, don't you? I used to be a school teacher, and uh, I did enjoy it. 
although I have to admit I was glad the time came for the Lord to move me along because I was a primary school teacher and I love teaching RE but you know the bit which drove me nuts organizing people organizing very little people who don't who do not want to be organized who resist organization that is the task of a primary school teacher to organize little people and to focus their attention on a task and to learn and to grow hats off to the primary school teachers this is what chronicles is about these sorts of people they organize and you know what these people we might might say are a bit obsessive about the details but you know what they get things done they get things done and they do them well thank god for the people who are good at organizing thank god for the people who who make lists and manage people and organize them 150 years or so have gone by after the exile the temples falling apart the worship is a farce they come to church or or or, or the synagogue or or the temple and it's a joke there's little national pride there's little reality in their faith and the writer of chronicles he puts together this book and he shows the masterful job that David did in pulling together his kingdom and getting things back on track the detailed preparation he made for the temple how he recruited and pulled together an army of warriors an army of priests an army of levites and musicians and other leaders and he includes all of this to inspire the current generation that you too need to get your act together and you too need to recruit your army of people to get the job done to clean up the mess to get God's work back in top shape Mark Driscoll describes a uh, leadership and he says there's three types of leaders there's prophets priests and kings prophets in God's work well they're the people who declare God's word maybe who have a sense of contact with 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 God in such a way that when they speak the holy spirit moves and and there's a sense of wow God is at work here they're the elijahs the elishas who bring fire down from heaven and everyone knows well God is here there's prophets then there's priests priests are the guys who get alongside people in the journey of life they put their arm around the shoulder and they encourage them they comfort them they help them they journey with them kings well kings are the practical guys kings are the guys who get the job done they make plans they raise money they mobilize people they organize people they build buildings they they get rid of uh waste they do things well and they move the ship forward. And Chronicles is a book about kingly leadership. It's a book in which it tells us how it's reflecting back on the days in the past in which they got the temple built and they got the temple repaired again and again and again and they raised armies, and they raised finances, they got their music in order. 
They organised different festivals of worship. They brought the Bible back to the people and they organised for the teaching of the people. We need all kinds, all, all three kinds of leaders, don't we? We need prophets. We need people who will fearlessly hear God speak and declare God's word. We need people through whom the Spirit of God will evidently be at work. We need priests who will love people, who will journey with people, who will be there for people, who will be approachable, who will encourage. And we need kings. We need kings who will make plans. We'll need kings who will mobilise people. We'll need kings who will know how to raise money and get buildings put up and move the ship forward and get things done. Our strength as a church, I think it's true to say, our strength as a church has been in kingly leadership. I think it's fairly obvious. You look at the church which we came out of, Mueller, and Mueller is a fantastic example of kingly leadership. You look at what Mueller Community Church has done and starting a, and, and, and successfully uh, running the school, Mueller College there for however many years it is, 20 years or so now, plus 1,200 kids plus. I don't know what the last count of, of people they had working there, but I know it's, it's at least 400 plus. A retirement village, childcare centre, I don't know how many other ministries they've got floating around in that big, big uh, block of land, but they've got many, let me tell you. And we've come out of that, and I think we've inherited something of that, uh, that strength of kingly leadership. We all know Carmichael is, is, is being built up the road there. It's a tremendous project. It's with the... Uh, uh, Ministers fraternal this week, different uh, pastors in the area, and they were just, well, wow, that is an incredible thing you guys are undertaking. And it is, isn't it? And we can be so thankful for the uh, vision of Mueller and their, their experience, their history, which they are plugging into us, uh, plugging us into it to allow this to happen. And, you know, as time goes on, uh, we are going to be employing large numbers of people in connection with the school. And there is tremendous possibility with Carmichael for all sorts of ministries. It's, it's an institution in our community which will be established there. It's a great example of kingly leadership. It has an enormous potential for impact. We need to thank God for that. We need to recognize that. We need to build on that. We need to celebrate that. kingly leadership. Many churches don't do kingly leadership too well. It's a matter of sort of, oh, I pray and read my Bible and we hope that, you know, that's all that we need to do. And they don't notice that the church service on a Sunday morning is absolutely painful to sit through. They don't notice, they don't even notice that the church buildings needed to paint 30 years ago. But we do need all three. We do need all three. We need kingly leadership. We need prophetic leadership. We need priestly leadership. You need all three. It's possible just to have kingly leadership and you can have the slickest program around. You can have the fanciest buildings. You can have the most well-oiled ministries. 
But actually, the place can be devoid of the Spirit of God. There's no sense of power. That's possible. It's possible to have the Holy Spirit working in a place where you know, there's, there's only a few people meeting in, in a church and, the, and, the, and it's just an old organ that's playing and the service is painful to sit through and it makes you cringe with embarrassment, but people are actually being converted. I've been to churches like that. It is possible. We need all three. Kingly leadership is not everything, but it's a wonderful thing. May I say, we need to really uh, support Shane in prayer as he really drives uh, Carmichael forward uh, over the next six months or so. Because it's a big job, there's so much to be done. So let's really uh, encourage Shane, pray for him, help him however we can. You know, we need to celebrate our kingly leadership and we need to move forward in it. So as we consider our, our journey forward, we need to order our ways before the Lord. We will be organising and mobilising people, as David did. We will need teachers. We will need admin people. We will need people to work the grounds. There will be all sorts of people that we will need. That's just for Carmichael. The job of a church is to, is to raise an army of people, whether it's in the context of a school or whether it's in the co- context of just normal church life. Our job is to raise and mobilise people, to mobilise new teachers for Sunday school, mentors for the children, to mobilise musicians, to mobilise missionaries, to mobilise church planters. Ultimately, Jesus told us to go and make disciples, Disciples who can make disciples. That is what we need to do. It's not enough that just that we have a church which is full of attendees. Just to have people come into church and say, yes, we've got a good crowd. That shouldn't be what we're listing. What we should really be listing is how many people are in active discipling relationships. How many people are making disciples actively. And so as a church... We need to listen and learn from the, from the wonderful example which David gives us of a man who stands up and acts as a king and says, this is what has to be done and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to organise it. We also need to listen to these words of Jotham about Jotham bringing order to his ways as individuals, don't we? As individuals in our walk with God, we need to organise our lives. We need to organise our family. We need to order our, our ways. Organise ourselves. Some of us are better at organising ourselves than others. Some of us are organisation freaks and if this comes naturally to you and you, know, you get upset with the tiniest angle which the picture is hanging at the wrong angle in your lounge room, that, that gives you, you know, mental anguish. Some of us are great at organising, and you organise everything. Some of us are not so good at organising. Can I say, I think all of us are good at organising some things. Some of us might you know, have OCD and be absolutely an organising freak, and we have to have everything organised, but not all of us are like that, but all of us do organise some things. We organise the things that we're passionate about. We organise the things that we care most about. Those things we do organise. 
And so the question is, what are we organising? What are we spending our energy in organising? Obvious question. Is our walk with God important enough to us to take time organising? Sure, most of us have a good look at our finances and we check our budget. We organise our finances. Some of us are good at organising our family and that is what our passion is. So we organise and make sure that our kids are going to get to all their activities, their sport and their music and whatever they go to throughout the week and we're organised. Some of us are really organised with our house and making sure that that is always in a beautiful state. We're all organised in different aspects. Obvious question. Is is our walk with God important enough to you and to me to be spending time organising that, to bring it into order? Is it in need of renovation? Is our marriage in order? Is our relationships healthy? Are we organising our life in such a way that we are giving space for it to be fruitful and healthy so that relationships are not being driven mad or, or run dry? by the crazy lifestyle we live driven by other things. You know, we need to make plans. Our spiritual life, we often, t- we often think that it's just a matter of our inward faith, our inward trust in God, our inward love, but all of those things that must be expressed somewhere and it will be expressed in action. It will be expressed with a plan. It will be expressed in order or in organisation. So, what does it look like for you? What does it look like to you to give God proper time in your life, to be organising that time? What does it look like for you to be having a healthy marriage which you are giving proper time to your wife or your husband? What does it look like for you men to be leaders of your home, be leading your family and saying, this is how our family is going to run and I'm going to put God first in our family. I'm going to make sure our kids are being brought up in the fear of the Lord. What does it look like for you? It's hard work to sort out spiritual stuff. What Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think that's often true, isn't it? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. I know that it should look different, but Boy, it's hard because it requires change in habits. It, change, it requires change in routines, maybe. It, it requires a change in heart, maybe. It's hard. So, do what you have to do. Get help from others. One reason why kids we send to school often is because there's power in the group to learn together. The reason why it's good that teams train together in sport is because there's power in the group. You encourage each other along. So I just encourage you to get involved in a discipleship group if you're not already, because that's a way that will really help you. But this morning, I just want to conclude by just saying, don't do your walk with God on the run. Don't do your walk with God on the run. You know, when I'm late for work occasionally, had a bad night sleeping, wake up late, oh no, got to rush, got to run, no time for breakfast, grab my lunch from the fridge, 
grab my bag, oh, I haven't shaved, grab my electric shaver, oh, quick, I don't have time to get my shoes and socks on, grab my shoes and socks, and I'm driving the car to work and I'm shaving with one hand, don't tell the cops this, and I'm putting my shoes on at the traffic lights, and it's a mess. And that's somehow, that's sometimes what our spiritual life looks like. It's just the last minute band-aid solution. Bit of this, bit of that, talk to God on the run, no time to really spend time with God, no time for the wife this week, and it's a mess. So create structures in your life which is going to allow your relationship with God to flourish. Give yourself the space when you're not working or when you're not being just sitting in front of the television, whatever it is, Give yourself the space to allow your relationship with God to grow and your relationship with your fellow believers to grow. Order your ways before the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the example of David. Thank you for a man that stood up and made a difference and got his life and got his kingdom on the road and took it places he saw what needed to be done and he stood up and did it and so father i just pray that you would help us to have that retreat time and to do the hard work of seeing what needs to be done seeing how we should be living our life what rhythms we should be having what structures we need to put in place in our life so that we allow healthy relationships to grow and flourish. Lord, thank you for the heritage of our church. Thank you for the strength that we've had in kingly leadership. And Father, we pray that this would continue and grow and that you would continue to expand our vision and help us to make plans and help us to uh, uh, carry out plans for your glory. So guide us and lead us in this. And Father, we just pray for the coming of your Holy Spirit within all of our plans and within all of our organising. It is your Spirit who gives life. So Father, work within us in this way, Lord, I pray as well. So we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.